I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to What's in the Name, a podcast all about what names mean and how they came to be. I am James. I'm Anna. Today we are asking, what's in a game? Ah, uh, boo. <laughs> that was the big secret joke you had queued up. Yeah, that's why I didn't want to tell you in advance, because otherwise you, <laughs> you would have been prepared an authentic, for it. You wanted an authentic, ah, boo. <laughs> well, let me tell you, I meant that, ah, boo, from the bottom of my soul, James. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to hear. So yeah, we're going to look at the the names that board games have and try and find out what the what the stories are behind them. Connect 4 is not going on the list. No. <laughs> no. No. We considered it. We decided that it would just take too long to explain. <laughs> <laughs> um so do you want to start us off? What's your what's your first game? I want to start with chess. Of course. I'm so excited. Yeah, of course. I've gone on record as being horny for chess, like obviously. <laughs> We're going to go this route. <laughs> Um, because I figure it's probably one of the oldest board games we've got, and therefore, with the most history, we're going to have the most to say about where it comes from. Even knowing that, I did not expect the wild ride and the long journey that this took me on. So, are you ready? I'm extremely excited to hear this, yeah, because I I don't know any of this myself. Excellent. All right, so we start in uh, 6th century Sanskrit. Naturally. It was called Chaturanga. And now you might know the word chaturanga from yoga practice if you do that. It means four limbs. Mm-hmm. And the reason that it was called that is because it referred to the four parts of the Indian army um, and the four non-royal chess pieces, which were elephants, horses, foot soldiers, and either chariots called ratha or boats called roka. Yeah, the classic chess pieces. Exactly. Well, they evolved into our modern bishop, knight, pawn, and rook. Okay. The castle. So even back then, it had the 8x8 grid, but um, it didn't have the black and white squares, which was interesting. And thinking about it, that doesn't really add much to the game except for clarity, I guess. Mm-hmm. That's not that's not really word history. That's just me nerding out about chess. But I figure... If- I mean, if you, if you want to know the the history of that, they've they found like black and white checkerboards um, as far back as ancient Egypt. Really? Like that's, there's 5,000 years of history there. Yeah. Oh, wow. That is extremely cool. Oh, I've got even more research to do. <laughs> I imagine someone just went, you know, we were playing on an eight by eight grid. Let's just reuse that checkerboard we've already got. Yeah. Oh, that must be it. Oh, that's amazing. But yeah, so from there, it passed into Persia around 600 AD. They called it Chaturang, which was shorter than Chaturanga. Uh, the king's piece was called Shah, meaning king. And um, they'd say Shahmat to mean the king is finished or the king is dead at the end of the game. Checkmate. Exactly. That's where we get checkmate from. 
Um, and the chariot pieces were called rocks. And again, we can see how we call our castle pieces rooks from there. I, I did always wonder why why do the castles move? It makes a lot more sense <laughs> if they're does. chariots. It does. Chariots or boats. Absolutely. Um, then in Latin, char was adapted to shacums. S-C-A-C-U-M. Which meant a check. Mm-hmm. That's the noun form. And the verb form was shakari. Mm-hmm. And that's where we get the French word echex and our chess. Okay, so comes from French. It comes from French. It comes from Latin via French, which is one of the patterns that we see over and over again when I get <laughs> yes. into it. Yes, it's the, the fault of the Normans, that one is. <laughs> yeah, that's not on us for once. I mean, you say not on us. <laughs> we, are, we are the Normans, right? Are we? Are we the well, Normans? Well, the Normans won, the so... Normans? Oh, fuck. I haven't been paying attention. I've been a Norman this whole time. Yeah, I mean, the the Normans invaded and got rid of the... the well, didn't get rid of, assimilated the Anglo-Saxons, mm-hmm. shall we say. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so um, what we see with chess is that the word shah, meaning king, has become the root word for a lot of languages. So mm-hmm. um, it's shah, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, in German, shahmati in Russian, um, and in Dutch, Norwegian, Hungarian, Polish, Romanian, Finnish... The name of the game chess derives from the Persian word for king. So we're unusual in that it comes from Czech. Hmm. Also, one of my favourite things about chess, the variant we play where the queen can move as far as she likes in any straight line, Mm -hmm. that's been referred to as the Mad Queen's Chess. (laughs) It was a relatively new change in the rules. And um, it was thought to be a little bit bonkers that this woman was striding around the board, taking charge and doing damage. Again, that's something I've always wondered about chess is why, why is it the female piece, given the historical associations with war? And the role of women in war. Why is the female piece the most powerful? And Well, it wasn't a queen, historically. Um, it was an advisor or counsellor in, in older forms. <laughs> the vizier. It became a queen after we had a couple of queen regents around Europe at around the same time. And it, we got used to the idea that a, that a woman could be powerful. And decided to incorporate it into chess, which is extremely <laughs> rad of us as a globe. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I. It's led to the equality for women everywhere. <laughs> sure. I read so much about this. I could have done a whole chess episode and been quite happy. <laughs> There's so much there. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm sort of desperate to make you explain the origins of other chess terms, but I feel like maybe we'll get to it in, in future episodes. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Down for that. What's yours? I'm going to start with a very small one. Since I already mentioned ancient Egypt, you may be aware, Anna. Mm-hmm. I work at the British Museum. I am. We have a whole bunch of um, board games. Actually, one of my colleagues at the museum, Irving Finkel, one of the few people in the world who can read cuneiform, Mm. deciphered the rules of the Royal Game of Ur, which was a game that we only had the, the boards for and some pieces for, but no idea how to play until he read a cuneiform tablet that had the rules on it. I had no idea he... I mean, you told me about the cuneiform, and I was like, yeah, I've definitely heard the name Irving Finkel. I had no idea he got to Ur. That's awesome. He's an extremely uh, impressive man. Yeah. Um, with an amazing beard. I would I <laughs> suggest everyone Google him and check out the beard. <laughs> yeah, not the work, um, just the beard. Yeah. <laughs> Priorities, people, come on. But anyway, the, he's done many impressive things. Um... I I have no etymology facts about that. I just wanted to throw his name out there because he's he's that good. Um, <laughs> but the the game of Air is played on a very similar board to an ancient Egyptian game called Senate. Have you heard of Senate? No. If you've watched Lost in Lost, um, oh. Jacob and the Man in Black play a game with white and black 
counters and they're playing Senate. Oh, that's fascinating because, as you know, I did watch Lost religiously. <laughs> Very now cool. Now you know something more about Lost. <laughs> this is basically what I'm in this for, is Lost trivia. <laughs> the the game of Senate is an anglicised version of some hieroglyphs, which I found interesting. Like the, the notation for Senate in hieroglyphs is just Z-N-T. Oh. The reason I wanted to mention this is because one thing I don't think people necessarily realise is that hieroglyphs are like phonetic, like they're, they're not pictographic representations of concepts. They have actual sounds associated with them. Yeah, I had no idea about that because I learned some Incan hieroglyphs and they do work as the picture represents the word. Mm-hmm. So the, the idea that it could represent letters or phonemes is... is really interesting yeah um and this is kind of my rant when people go like oh emoji they're just like modern hieroglyphs like we've been using pictographs for for you know millennia it's like well we haven't really because egyptian hieroglyphs are just an alphabet that is fascinating. they just it happens that the, they're more pictures than than our current letters huh so i just wanted to check that in since we mentioned egypt that's really good thank you the one the, the game i actually want to talk about is mahjong which is as you know a chinese game played with tiles Hmm. its name doesn't have any inherent meaning it's actually derived from an earlier game okay um, an earlier form of it which was uh martiang which means sparrows really yeah and i i sort of looked into like why why would this game be called sparrows mm. um i wondered maybe because obviously the tiles have have imagery and pictures on in certain versions of of mahjong mm-hmm. Um, so I wondered maybe, maybe there was some bird imagery associated with it, but the reason, um, the reason it's got the name Sparrows, it's believed at least, is because the, uh, clattering of the tiles when they were being mixed around resembled the, the noises that Sparrows make. Oh, that is so cool. It's like onomatopoeic almost. Yep. Oh, that's lovely. So I was, I was very glad to learn that because as you know, I like the poetic ones and that's, that's pretty poetic. Definitely. Definitely, that's very. I haven't played mahjong in ages. <laughs> Man, I would like to. What was the um? What was the Windows version called? It was just called mahjong, wasn't it? Was it just called mahjong? I think yeah, so. Okay, fair yeah, enough. Yeah. Okay. So Windows three point one would have been one when I discovered that yep. wonderful game. <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, there's nothing more to say about that. I just I enjoyed the imagery. I don't blame you. That's lovely. Okay. Uh, the next one I wanted to get to. Um, a friend of mine on Twitter, Aza Bassa, actually put out the call for people to give us some some uh, gaming etymology facts. And somebody suggested that I look into the history of the word meeple. Now, do you know what meeple means, James? I know the words. I could not hazard a guess at the, at the meaning. <laughs> so it's spelled M-E-E-P-L-E. And it refers to the vaguely humanoid, almost starfishy, like Patrick from Spongebob-shaped figures made of wood that acts as a representation of the player or people in a board game called Carcassonne and some other games since. Of course. The reason the reason I know that that word is because of Only Connect. Yeah. Really? Yeah, because there was a team called the Meeples, I remember. <laughs> That's <laughs> carry, so cool. Carry on. Yeah, so I'm fascinated by Meeples as a plural, and I'll explain why in a moment. Um, this word was invented only a few weeks after the board game Carcassonne debuted at the Essen Game Fair. It wasn't part of the game. They didn't decide they should be called Meeple. Mm-hmm. Um, a player called Alison Hansel coined the word as a portmanteau of my and people to describe the little wooden figures each player uses. <laughs> so every single source I found that said that 
there was somebody asking, so who's Alison Hansel then? And nobody could explain. She doesn't seem to be, as far as I can tell, she doesn't seem to be heavily involved in board games professionally. I think she's a teacher. I found her Twitter account. She's never tweeted about Meeple's or Carcassonne. <laughs> but when Meeple got added to the Oxford English Dictionary, she commented that she felt like a proud mama. <laughs> if anyone's got the full story, I'd love to hear it, because she hasn't tweeted in a year, and it's just... Nobody seems to have actually told the story of how and why she coined it and how that caught everyone's attention and how it became the official word that people use throughout the board gaming um, fan community um, for the little humanoid figures. Yeah, I think we should DM her, point her at this yeah, episode right? of the podcast and just say, <laughs> we'd really like to talk to you about this. Can I really we send would. you an email or Skype you? Anything Alison like Hansel, if you're hearing this, I would love to get the full story. I think it would be good to get it on record because... If nothing yeah. else, we've learned from doing this podcast that there are a lot of a lot of circumstances where the origins of words is left completely um, to sort of folk history. So if we can get the person who coined the word to tell us exactly what she remembers about doing so, I think that would be a valuable contribution to society. Because things fade into obscurity, you know, it seems like too soon for time fog to happen for something that happened in the year 2000, you know? Exactly. Over to you. So again, this is quite a small one. I was looking into the origin of the word game specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just the general term. So it goes through many different languages. Like obviously it goes through Germanic languages, back to Proto-Indo-European. There are two potential roots for the word game. Mm-hmm. So in Proto-Indo-European, gar meant doing things together. It meant it was a, it was like a modifier that meant together. Oh, and no one is sure whether it's the Proto-Indo-European um, garmen, which means like men together, mm-hmm. or garmen, which means thinking together. Oh, wow. So I found that kind of interesting that it can come from the idea of several people doing a single thing together mm-hmm. or to be sitting around thinking together, you know, strategizing. That's really lovely. Yeah. And also, while while I was researching this, I found out as well that um, the word gamble does actually come from... I wasn't sure if it did, but it comes from similar roots um, via Old High German gamel, meaning pleasure or fun. Oh, man, that's really good to know. Okay, and while we're on the subject, if you're... Are you done with that one? Yeah, yeah, it was just a, just a small one. It's really cool. But yeah, so I was looking into backgammon. And um, it has nothing to do with pigs, it turns out. <laughs> it's, they've got the back part because pieces are sometimes forced to go back and gammon meaning game or play from Middle English. So by the time it reached Middle English, G-A-M-E-N meant game or play. Okay. Um, so yeah, again, a very short one because there's not much more to go into with that. But I think it's very cool. And I think it's very funny that I assumed it was related to pork products. <laughs> I mean, I did wonder, <laughs> though I have... I have a backgammon fact. Oh, yeah? Do you know what the boards were called in um, backgammon? No. They were called tables. Okay. And so have you ever heard the, the expression turn the tables? Yes. So to turn the tables referred to the idea that if you if you were losing in the game, you might turn the tables so that your opponent's side was facing you. Okay. So that's that's where we get the sort of colloquialism, turn the table. That's extremely good. I think it's your turn then. We mentioned checkers earlier. So another another name for checkers is drafts. 
And that's that's how I learned the name. Um, so I was wondering, where did the name drafts come from? So there's an obsolete form of the word draft, which means to move, specifically in board games. To make a draft was to move a piece on a board game. And it comes from French tray oh. via Latin tractus, which meant dragging. And is the, the same root as the word tractor. <laughs> tractor, <laughs> yeah, and intractable. Exactly. That's where the the name drafts come from. Rename it to Tractors Now IMO. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That's really good. Um, I've got a very quick one about Monopoly. So I feel like Monopoly's fairly... It's got a fairly clear etymology as far as <laughs> it seems, but I'm interested to hear what you've dug up on it. Yeah, so um, I basically wanted to touch on that. So we've got monos meaning one and polain meaning to sell and that's from the ancient greek so i did not know the second part of it i assumed it was poly as in many i assumed it was poly as in many so i'm yeah. interested to to hear otherwise yeah yeah absolutely um so that's something new for me and i wanted to touch on the fact as well i know most of you will know this but it's worth going over because it's really interesting it was originally called the landlord's game <laughs> it was invented and designed by one woman uh, there were two ways to play you could play cooperatively or competitively and the drawn out suffering as you watch one person accrue wealth that was the lose condition <laughs> We were never meant to enjoy that version of the game. But it got um, stolen and pirated by loads of different people around America and eventually bought up by the Parker Brothers. Interesting. So now they have a monopoly on that. Did we have the name of the woman? So the lady who patented it in 1904 was Elizabeth McGee, M-A-G-I-E. And it was intended to educate users about Georgism. Also called geoism and single tax is the old way of referring to it. It's an economic ideology which holds that people should own the value they produce themselves. So it's a sort of socialism, the sort of thing America really doesn't respond to very well. <laughs> I mean, you can sort of see then in that case how the game of Monopoly got uh, steadily manipulated until accumulating all the money was the, was the goal. Yeah, and now it sucks. And now it makes everyone miserable except for the person who's winning. Yep. <laughs> I mean, in that way, it's still it's still a clear lesson about capitalism, right? Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, maybe maybe it's time to rewrite the rules. <laughs> I think so. Let's do our own. Let's do a <laughs> punk version of Monopoly. Yep. Call it, let's see, I don't know, what would be timely and relevant? Let's call it the Landlord's Game. <laughs> Have you got any others? So there are two I just want to finish this off quickly with. The game Yahtzee. Have you ever played Yahtzee? I feel like I must have done. I have many fond memories of playing Yahtzee, which is just a sort of generic poker dice game. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, the the name itself is just a brand name, um, but it derives from an earlier version, called, which was called Yacht. Um, and it was called Yacht because, according to Hasbro, at least, the, ga- the dice game of Yacht was invented by uh, a Canadian couple who used to call it the yacht game because they played it on a yacht with their friends. <laughs> so far, it makes sense. Yeah, I like the staggering sort of lack of imagination. <laughs> it's weird because I, when I saw Yahtzee, I wondered like, oh, is that maybe some sort of Asian corruption? But no, it's a Canadian corruption. Yeah, it just, it seems like an exclamation, doesn't it? I think, yeah. is the brand name, does it officially have an exclamation mark? Um, I'm not sure if it officially has an exclamation mark, but in in the, in the adverts and stuff, people definitely used to shout Yahtzee when they got a Yahtzee. So. It just entered my brain as a thing that people shout. Yahtzee. Yep, <laughs> definitely. Um, so that's where Yahtzee came from. And the last one, I'm not sure if this necessarily counts as a, as a board game. It's maybe more of a bar game. Mm-hmm. Um, Tiddlywinks. <laughs> Well, we're unlikely to have another category that Tiddlywinks falls under. It is very much its own beast, isn't it? Exactly. Um, So Tiddlywinks is a conjunction of two separate words. 
Winks are the counters in Tiddlywinks. Oh, those are Winks. Yeah, they're Winks. That's so cute. Uh, and Tiddly means an alcoholic drink. It does. It means a little bit drunk, right? It does. Well, no, it it can mean a little bit drunk. It can also mean a little a little bit of alcohol. A Tiddly. Um, <laughs> and it is, yeah, it's a colloquial term. I assume it's related to sort of tiddler, as in like a small fish. Quite possibly. That's interesting. Yeah. But um, apparently tiddlywinks were also secret pubs or like hidden pubs. Not like not like covert, just hard to find. That's interesting. Yeah, because I think it does connote smallness, you know, because we've got tittle <laughs> as well with the T's instead of D's. And that means the little... Is that the dots over the eyes, or is that the lines across the T's? Uh, tittles. <sighs> You've put me on the spot. Yeah, there's jots and tittles, and one is the dots over eyes, and one is the lines over T's. Tittle, tittles are the dots, yeah. Yeah, okay, so a tittle is a tiny dot, mm-hmm. and a tittle is a hidden pub, and a tittle is a tiddler is a tiny drink. A tipple is a small, small <laughs> a drink. A tipple as well. is a little drink as well. Oh my yeah. gosh, I love this. I doubt there's like an etymology so much as a general feeling that these words sound small. That's really interesting. We should look into that. Yeah, and I just, just quickly, I wanted to read out some uh, alternate names for tiddlywinks because it was a massive craze during the eighteen eighties and eighteen nineties, um, and many versions of the game sort of cropped up with different names. It's variously been called uh, spoof, flippity flop, jumpkins. Golfette, Marrow, and Flutter. <laughs> Wait, give me the first three again. Spoof, Flippity Flop, Jumpkins. If you gave me those three words and told me to guess what they meant, I would not land at Tiddlywinks in a hundred years. <laughs> I really wouldn't. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah. All right, so that's all my games. Um, okay. Are we ready to move on? I think we are. Do we have anything for what we learned? I have learned nothing. Or at least I've forgotten everything I have learnt. <laughs> My mind is turning to porridge. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm well, willing to blame this on the Rones, you know. The Rones, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we didn't talk about the Rones in our um, diseases episode. We didn't. We should have. We did a bit, didn't we? We talked about coronavirus. We didn't talk about calling it the Rones. Oh, we didn't, no. Oh, I think well. Rona is gaining traction online. I'm disappointed. I know. You, you've still got time. You can steer the steer the discourse. Still this year. We just need Boris Johnson to say, I've recovered from the Rones. And <laughs> we'll be fine. But what could we bribe him with? Well, what could we bribe Boris Johnson with? Probably literally anything. <laughs> <laughs> Money, sex, power, like anything, whatever you got going. The big three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With you on that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so... Our regular final section of the podcast is called Any Other Names, in which we assign different names to existing things or come up with new names for ideas and concepts which don't yet have them. Uh, So I've only got one this week. I'm interested. How many have you got? Two. Two. So you go first. Well, I've got Ludo and Cluedo. Which one do you want to hear first? Ooh, Cluedo. Always Cluedo. Cluedo. So it's called Clue in America, which I guess makes minor more sense, really. Uh, But I reckon just call it Whodunit. You know, why complicate things? It's one of the few cases where I'll tolerate bad grammar. <laughs> Interesting fact. The word whodunit is 1930s US slang, and mm-hmm. it was followed by a word I've never heard before. Why done it? In 1968. Why done it? Why done it? A much more interesting and nuanced question. How I don't know what it? the game of why done it would entail, but I'm keen to play. <laughs> why done it? Presumably in why done it, you would uh, have to figure out the motives for the murder committed in a game of whodunit. Do you know, we could make that. 
we could. We could make that. Cards with motivations on and you have to sort of bluff and talk around them and see what you can get away with. Yeah, that's a good party Ooh. game. I'll snip yeah, this bit right? out. So, <laughs> so this we out. We're going to make a game. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea, yeah. All right. I'm 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 down with that. I think Cluedo is a needlessly obscure name and turning it into something more comprehe- more immediately comprehensible is a very good idea. Yeah, absolutely. Who done it? Coming soon. <laughs> so I have a similar um similar reason for choosing my one. You will be aware that I'm a huge fan of the best board game uh, Scrabble. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm aware that it has its flaws. We still need to finish our words with friends game. We do. I mean, it's okay. I I understand that you're scared to lose. That's fine. Uh oh, are you? <laughs> yeah. Do you? Is it? <laughs> I did. I briefly looked into whether Scrabble had any interesting etymology behind it. It's just the just exactly what you'd expect, like the the Scrabble, as in scrabbling for tiles, mm-hmm. um, scrabbling for meanings. <laughs> um, so when it was originally created by Alfred Butts, <laughs> why are you sniggering, Anna? I'm not. Okay. I'm really mature, and I wouldn't snigger at that. <laughs> That's people's name, uh, you know. Some people have just called that. Alfred Mosher Butts created Scrabble. <laughs> And uh, he originally proposed that it be called Lexico. Oh, I like that, but he's got some good ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot lie. <laughs> yeah, so he wanted it to be called Lexico, and presumably the publishers were like, mm, sorry, Alfred, no. I guarantee there have been at least three games called Lexico released since. Right, and I think <laughs> I think Scrabble isn't a great name. I think Lexico is also not a great name. <laughs> um, so I was trying to think, what would I call call Scrabble given the chance? Um, so I think in Scrabble, the the way to get the best scores is to have the longest words. Are you aware of the the term for people who have a large vocabulary of long words? For example, you know, Will Self. Or Stephen Fry. Go for it. Um, the one I've got is a sesquipedalian. Yes. Yes. Uh, so just out of interest, I looked into what sesquipedalian means. Uh, it literally comes from Latin. Uh, sesqui meaning one and a half and pedalis meaning measuring one foot. So sesquipedalian is to uh, measure a foot and a half long. Oh my goodness. Wait, so is the Sasquatch one and a half times the size of a person? I would imagine... Sasquatch comes from uh, some form of indigenous language. That would probably make more sense. Rather, yeah, rather than Latin. <laughs> Being in Canada. Damn it. But, you know, the French did go to Canada, so maybe it's from that. <laughs> we will look it up in our cryptids episode, which I will add to yes! the list. Yes! <gasps> add it to the list. Yeah. Oh, that'll be fun. <laughs> I wonder what Mothman means. <laughs> so I think sesquipedalian is too long a word to have, have broad appeal. So my suggestion is that we just cut out one syllable, call Scrabble quip. Oh, that's cute. I like it. Yeah, quip would be a nice high scoring word as well. It would. It's a very good word. Yeah. So I'm going to be going to be sending um, sending a letter to Mattel, sending a letter to Milton Bradley, sending a letter to Hasbro. That, I don't know who published it, so we've covered that basis. <laughs> you hack. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. I'm down with calling it quip. And in my brain, every time I say it, I'll be thinking sesquipedalian, which is a very pleasing word. Exactly. Very pleasing. So do you want to round us off? Sure. The last one I've got is Ludo, which I think is quite a lazy name to start with. It's Latin for I play. It doesn't tell you what the game is. <laughs> that is. doesn't tell you how it works. Just I play. 
Um, in America, it's called Parcheesi, which is interesting. Parcheesi. Oh, is that what mm-hmm. Parcheesi is? Yeah, from the ancient Indian Parcheesi, which means a throw of 25, which is the highest roll you can make with carry shells, apparently. Okay, so just quickly, while we're talking about the Latin, the mm-hmm. the way I have encountered this word before is in uh, the terminology for gladiatorial training. Yeah. Where the ludus was the place where you uh, trained, basically. Oh, I didn't it know was, that. It was the training camp for gladiators. And when I watched uh, Spartacus, the excellent TV show about nudity and murdering, they, the, <laughs> their base was the ludus. That's really good. I would never have connected it to Ludo. Yeah, and you do still come across this word in modern talk about, say, computer gaming. People talk about the Ludo narrative aspect of games. How the story is told through play. Ah, I always assumed Ludo narrative meant as in ludicrous. No, no, it just means the story told through play. Amazing. Yeah, but so um, the Parcheesi uh, word for it refers to the highest roll you can make with carry shells. Uh, we don't use those. We use a d6, a standard square die. So that doesn't help us. As a reminder of the gameplay in this game, if one of your tokens, as it goes around the board, lands on a square occupied by an enemy piece, you bounce their piece right back to its beginning. So I think there's something in that, because it's got a pleasing, like, whack-a-mole vibe. (laughs) It causes people to have to start their whole journey again, so I think it should be called Groundhogs. (laughs) I think Groundhogs would be a really fun name for the game of Ludo. Yeah, though in a few few centuries that's going to really confuse people, because they'll be like, what What has this game got to do with the sort of beaver-like mammal frankly if groundhog day hasn't made it into the future it's not a future i care about (laughs) groundhog day by (laughs) definition does not make it into the future oh no that's true (laughs) (laughs) i'll i'll leave a time capsule explaining it (laughs) (laughs) uh okay so i have just just briefly looked up the the etymology of the word ludicrous mm-hmm. just to bring us all all back in a neat circle so ludicrous means sort of intended as a jest um, oh. comes from the latin ludicrous which comes from the latin ludicrum which meant stage play oh wow oh that's so good oh i like that a lot thank you we've all learned something amazing we've all learned upwards of three things <laughs> i'm so pleased <laughs> Um, okay, so I guess I guess it's time to wrap it up. Uh, my name is James. You can find me on Twitter at, at James Hunt. You can find me on Twitter at Boots Magoot. Uh, we have a joint Twitter account, which is at WIAN Podcast, uh, where you can find subscription links, uh, word-related nonsense, probably interesting facts from other people that we have retweeted. <laughs> yeah, there's smart people out there. Did you know that? Yeah. There's just like really smart people. Thank you I'm for spending your time with, with us, dear audience. <laughs> Suck up. And uh, yeah, if you've got any ideas for new episode themes, send them our way. We'll be happy to hear them. And then completely ignore them and do our own thing, most likely. But you know, <laughs> it's important that you feel included. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back next week. All right. Bye. Goodbye.
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.